This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Hallelujah. It's good to read God's word standing. Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, I want to read from verse 7. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The only ghost, this signifying that the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while it's at the first tabernacle was yet standing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's read again that verse 7. So the Bible said that the high priest enters the second. So this talks about two tabernacles. And that he enters the second one just once in a year. And the reason is in verse 8. So he enters to make atonement for his error and for the errors of his people. And the Bible said the only ghost this signifying. That means this is the meaning. That the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Hallelujah. You cannot just say God bless you. Say I'm a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away. All things are new. Praise the Lord. We know we spoke about righteousness last week, right? And the Bible says in 1 John 4, 17, that as he is, so are we here on earth. As he is, so are we here on earth. Believers are people. So much has been given to us. So much has been done in us. And we must go by the revelation of the Holy Spirit to understand what Christ has done. That we might be able to walk in the liberty, in the authority, and by faith and the audacity of what we, we need to understand it to walk in the consciousness of it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Though you wear jeans, but you are greater than that. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And redemption must be understood by every Christian. If you don't, you cannot exercise spiritual authority. Praise the Lord. Alright, so where we read, the Bible says that, <laughs> so we, we, we can understand from there without even going into details that we have first, what is called first tabernacle and we have what is called second tabernacle. I just want to explain something briefly this morning. And I hope again, all I'm seeking for is this. The more you know by revelation, the freer you become to walk by the Spirit. And the more anointing you're walking the more demons are repelled away from you. Because light, like I said, is in categories. There is a level of darkness that full light cannot deal with. But when you put up halogen, <laughs> amen, then the darkness goes back. And there are some lights that can, you know, I saw one. One day I was in, I think, Austin, Texas. And their pole should be maybe about times five higher than our own pole. And the lights were just up there and the entire area. So there are different types of lights. There are bulbs <laughs> that are just for your room. Now there are lamps for reading. 
at the edge of your bed. If your bed has one. Mike doesn't have, so maybe yours. <laughs> but I've seen this on hotels. Are, are, you, are you with me? So we have different types of lights. But, so the brighter these this lights are, the more you are able to chase darkness far from you. Is that clear? Praise the Lord. So redemption is one important thing that we must understand. So let's look at this again. So the Bible says to Tabernacles, the priests, many of them, could enter the first one. Christians must know all these things, so it's important. That's why I'm taking. The priests will enter the first one. Aaron and the sons of Aaron, they were called Levites. And they cooperate. But the Bible said there was one person in the Old Testament called the high priest. Because he was higher than everybody. So, high priest, Aaron was the first high priest. Moses' brother. The high priest will enter the second tabernacle once in a year. And the Bible said before entering, there were rituals to be performed. Number one, he must kill a spotless lamb because of the errors of himself and of the people. They might have committed sin without knowing. And whether they committed sin or not, nobody could approach God directly because the presence of God in the first tabernacle was small, limited. Limited revelation. But the presence of God was short in the second tabernacle, which is called only of all. So, even Aaron was only permitted to enter once in a year. He will first of all pour blood on himself and will be saying something like anything I've committed, anything people have committed. Then, he, but before entering again, if you read from Exodus and Leviticus, they will tie a rope around him and they will put a bell on the rope because <laughs> nobody could enter inside. So any mistake made by Aaron inside that tabernacle will die there. And if he should die there, no mortal man could go and bring him out. So the bell, so they will stand outside. When they were hearing the sound of the bell, it indicated that the guy, Baba, Baba is still alive. You know? So it will be moving and be performing the ritual. So they'll be like, gaga, 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 okay, it's alive. So the rope will be left outside, the edge of the rope. It will be a long rope. It will put the edge outside and it will enter. So if he should die there, those outside will pull. Such was the presence of God. It was in the first tabernacle, only the first alone, that two sons of Aaron took an unholy fire. The unholy fire was not a fire of sin. It was just another fire other than the fire commanded. When I talk with leaders, I will talk about all these things. One of the things I will share with you, the leaders of the church one day, and if you are hearing me say, when you are if you are very stubborn for God or you are very smart, when God is trying to correct an aspect of life and you, the problem is that God's mercy is everlasting, but you don't have everlasting, you don't stay forever here. So time is running and God is patient, but you, time, you are running. One of the things people don't know, Jacob was a, scammer, a very scheme, I mean, a great schemer in the Bible, but, but people, people have not read the end of Jacob's life. One day we go into all this. Jacob's story wasn't a good story. Really. Watching your sons lying to you and all those things. So when he stood before Pharaoh at the end of his life, the only question Pharaoh could ask Jacob was a terrible question. How old are you? He was looking so agile and so fragile that only thing Pharaoh, Pharaoh saw him for the first time. The father of Joseph, 
The man that liberated Egypt, and the only question you can ask, Father, how old are you? And look at Jacob's answer. He told him the, the number, and he said, Feel but full of sorrow. And he said, I have not attained to the age of my father. That means all, my, all the things that happened to me in life, I never saw them happen to Isaac or Abraham. Isaac was a man that obeyed God all through. He sat at home, they went to look for a wife for him and brought a married. You know, Jacob in the Bible represents ambition. Isaac represents the promise. And ambition. God, I heard a pastor preach one time, the God of bad boys. It is true. He's the God of bad boys, but bad boys will suffer. Imagine mourning for years of a son that never died. Only one man. The first one slept one of your wife. Only one man. What kind of story is that? So when he stood before Pharaoh at the end of life, he told Pharaoh, he said, my years have been sorrowful. Abraham never said so. And one day we'll look at it. So that was why he was wrestling with God in the night and God left him. Sometimes there are people here that God is wrestling with. And some are listening to me. God is wrestling with an aspect of your life. When you become too stubborn, he leaves you. He left you. So he did one thing. He, he caused his joint to be dislocated, the socket here, to prove to him that, you see, I have power. The, the rest, we are fighting does not mean I can overcome you. But your will is too strong. Yeah. And one man of God explained it this way. That is why when Jacob met God at first, he met God first of all in his life in Bethel. And when he got to Jabok, God told him to go back to Bethel, where you first erected an altar. Because in Bethel, never gave God all. If I was making negotiation with God like he did with his brother. When God appeared to him, he said, if you guide me and I go to my brother, my father and I come back peacefully, when I come back peacefully, then I will give you a tithe of everything. And God said, no problem. <laughs> but see, when he got to, everything that happened to him in Jabok, he acquired by himself. And he, so the night he separated from his family was the next time God appeared to him in that way again and said that Jacob, and he told him, he reminded him of Bethel, go back to Bethel. And I checked, truly, the men of Jabok is pouring forth, emptying everything out. So God said that. So the Bible said he crossed the fort Jabok. That means he got to a place in life when he saw vanities of all that he acquired, he acquired and he dumped them. Then God said, go back to Bethel where we all started from, our relationship. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible said that my spirit will not strive with man forever. If you keep rising and stumbling, rising and stumbling, over anger, uh, sex, and rising and stumbling, no problem. The Almighty will say, <laughs> it's not God's problem. It's your problem. You realize that one day you are 50 and there are things you cannot do anymore. And time has passed. It might have mercy on you. You always step into heaven, but with pains and aches and everything. That's why it's important when corrections are coming that you quickly adjust. Don't waste time stumbling over the same thing over and over again, repenting of the same thing every now and then. Lord, I'm sorry, then you go back. Lord, I'm sorry, then you go back. Lord, I'm sorry, then you go back. That is outside the message. <laughs> I just spoke to somebody. Are you with me? See, there are many lessons to learn from men in the Old Testament. They will help you. Anyway, so, <laughs> so the, the presence of God was that mighty. Uh, Nadab and Abiu led me to this. They just offered the fire, and as soon as they put it on the altar, the two of them died. And God told Moses that, tell their father, if he should cry, he will follow them. <laughs> the, the Old Testament, God was, I mean, because of one thing. God was not wicked. God and flesh are incompatible. If you put your hand in fire and it burns, so the fire is not wicked. We are talking about two different natures here. 
God, that's what some people have read in the funny world and they've said that you see God of the Bible. No, he is not wicked. It's just that if you drive your car into an ocean and you drive, the ocean is not wicked. If you enter a house and they have a station and they bite, the dog is not wicked. In fact, the one that does not bite you is useless. Are you following me? Are you getting what I'm saying? If you step into your carry game with and you come out of the car that they put inside and you see a lion, it's natural for a lion to devour you. It's not wicked. It will not be judged on that. Why, why, why did thou kill my servants? The lion is not doing anything wrong. He's responding based on his configuration and his wiring. He's wired to devour. Especially if you are fearing complete. <laughs> are you with me? So, the lion is not wicked. And we have to understand this. So, God is a consuming fire. So, he gave them a method to approach him. Such was the presence. Nobody could contain it. I just want to show the glory of a New Testament Christian. But it's a journey that we have to go. So that was so everybody knows them fear. So eventually God came down Mount Sinai for all to see. Moses had been talking about God. It's shining. Then they said to Moses that let me talk to them one on one. Let them hear from me. And the Bible said for three days they were hearing thunders. By the time God, the Bible said that the appearance of God on Mount Sinai was like that of a consuming fire. Before he made two sentences, the people begged Moses that, ah, you go and hear and come and tell us. Because it was unbearable. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, you have not come to the mountain. <laughs> Let's read that scripture. Hebrews 12. Hallelujah. Are you, are you following me? So, the, the death of Nadab and Abihu. Give me Hebrews 12. We have not come to the mountain. Okay, we, we, we come to that. But just leave it there. No, that, towards the end. The end. We have not come to the mountain bound. What, what was that? Towards the end of Hebrew. Just check. The Bible says we have not come to the mountain where Moses says so terrible was the sight that I could not behold. But we have come to Mount to the heavenly Jerusalem. Okay, now. So we have from verse 20. Just leave it there. Verse 20. Are you following me? So Nadab and Abi were just in the first tabernacle. When that death occurred. They did not even enter the second one where there was a more concentrated presence. But their father could enter once in a year. But I want to call your attention to something. So that was how it was in Old Testament also. So that's what Hebrews where we read says that the Spirit was saying that the way to the holiest of all was not yet available. So a man was permitted to enter once in a year, but the way was short. Because somebody was going to appear eventually whose name is the way. Are you with me? You remember what happened when Jesus died? As soon as he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God. And the Bible says, for the second time, he roared again with a loud voice. And Jesus died loud. He shouted, and something left him. When he did, the Bible said, they caught him. <laughs> Matthew 27, what verse is that? Maybe I'll just hang it there this morning. Are you, are you following me? You see, except I say it this way, I want to make you understand what is available to you. It will shock many of you. To know that the glory in that holiest of all is already in you. Hallelujah. But many people don't know. So we need to explain what has happened. Ah, it's like, dear Lord Jesus, pipe organ is big. If you went to UI like some of us, chapel, pipe organ, you know, very massive. They, 
if you are attended Old Aglican Orthodox Church, you remember, pipe organ, they will build a house for it. Pipe organ can only produce one sound. Every sound on the pipe organ, plus hundreds of others, are on this small keyboard. By technology, if mortal men can do that, the glory <laughs> in that innermost place that was that people could not access, something happened in between. It was recorded, and it has become totally not dangerous. And it has been inserted into every Christian. This is why we can fellowship. Oh. <laughs> Amen. About the night hour, this should be about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus said this, and my God, why is it for same? Next verse. I think in verse 52 or so, where the, I want where he died, gave up the ghosts. 51. Yeah, okay. Amen. Verse 51. And behold, no, let's start from 50. And when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghosts. Next verse. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent into a from where? If it was cut from bottom up, man did it. This was the cutting that separated the first tabernacle from the second one. So this was the reason why people didn't know what was happening to Baba inside. There was a veil. Very thick. But Jesus <laughs> fulfilled what we read in Hebrew. So all through Old Testament, the way to the innermost of was veiled with thick cutting. But as soon as the master said, it is finished. What they saw in the temple was that they cut it. For the first time, everybody in Israel knew what was inside that was being kept. So they saw the, what was inside. They saw the pots and manna inside. They saw the Aaron's rod that grew flower. Normal rod that grew flower. They saw, which is the most important part, the Ark of Covenant. On that Ark, there were two cherubims facing each other and their wings overshadowing the massive seats. And they saw a seat on Tabernacle, many massive seats. Oh. That was a prototype of the Tabernacle of Heaven. So if you are to stand before God tonight, there are cherubs surrounding God. And God sits on a throne called massive seats. So God told Moses to do a replica of it and to put it, but the, the anointing, the presence of that thing was so strong for mortal man to handle, so it was concealed inside the veil. But when Jesus died, all the Levites, hundreds or thousands of them, who were outside before, who used to see their grandpa enter once in a year, and nobody had an idea of what was inside. But you see, oh Lord Jesus, the Bible says, He that dwelleth in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under where? The shadow. The sacred place of the Most High is the presence of Jehovah. Which in the Old Testament, just as we read, it was veiled away. So it was a sacred place. For Christians, there is no secret place of the Most High again. We are under the shadow of the Almighty. We are in the secret place already. So to us, it's not secret. So Jesus said to you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, which is equal to secrets. I get what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. Everybody used to think if we could do, ah, if we could just catch a bit of this presence. When Israel went to battle and they brought the Ark of Covenant from that presence, victory was sure. Except when Ophni and Phineas carried it. Who were sons of Belial. The Ark disappointed them. They lost the battle. 
but the ark probed himself. They put the ark before Dagon. <laughs> they got, and when they woke up in the morning, they saw Dagon bowing down, prostrating before the ark. So they carried the idol, Dagon, and set it up again before the ark. The following morning, they came out, they saw Dagon, they said, we. Then they thought and they saw Dagon with his hand and his head chopped up before the ark. And the Philistines were scared. You know what happened? When they left, they asked, they, the ark asked Dagon one question. So you'll be God. I said, Oh, no, I mean, not, not, not me. And he prostrated. And then they set up Dagon again. And when they left, the ark asked Dagon again that. So they put me before you. So you are the God. And Dagon said, Honestly, sir, it's not me. They put me, I surrender. <laughs> and the Lord said, Give me your head and your heart. So that they will set you up again. They, the Bible says that there is only one God that demons know and they tremble. So Dagon recognized the mighty hand of God. So from that day, they carried the ark and they returned the ark with sacrifice. Because all the men decided to become impotent. <laughs> the ark singularly dealt with them because there was a presence locked up inside there. But it was a sacred thing. So when Jesus died, the Spirit finally said that now the way to the holies of all is now open. But you know what? Immediately they caught it open so that people will not die. The presence left that place. Now the presence is a youth. The ark is a youth. The mercy seat, you have access. They used to enter once in a year. The Bible said, let us come boldly to the throne of mercy. So anytime when you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, because the whole thing was coded in the revelation of God as a father. That was why none of them, so they need the blood of animal which only covered them for one year. None of them could approach God because he was God. So when Jesus came and for the first time he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5 and then he said to them, my father walked it that way, walk. oh God, come and see stones flying. The Pharisees said, you call God your father? You, I'm a carpenter, <laughs> you call God your father? They said you are making yourself equal. Equal. The Jews understood very well. When you say somebody is your father, it means that that is somebody you are exactly like and whose job you will take over. In fact, according to Jewish tradition of those I don't know of now, if you went to their house, you had a deal with the father. If you went to there and the father was not at home, if the son should say you are free not to pay that money, the father can never come and ask you for the money again. He might be angry with the son, but he can never. I know the Bible came from that tradition. There was a why God made us to come around that. It could have come in the time of uh, maybe Alexander the Great, but God was looking for this culture, a culture difference. Remember, they wanted to flog Paul. They carried sick like this, and he said, will you flog a Roman citizen? Ah, and the soldier said, no. And they went to the guy that the guy you are about to beat, a Roman citizen. The guy came and he said, for even putting anchor from Paul at all, he said that they are not beating you again, boys. I'm sorry for putting that. And he said, and he said, how much did you buy this citizenship for? Paul said, the citizenship was not bought. I was born a Roman. And the Bible said, the soldier told us, please stay away from this guy. Don't because to beat a Roman citizen, Jesus, God was waiting for that right time because there will be citizens of God, Amen. citizens of Zion. And the Bible says, oh. <laughs> they are the ones that the Bible says, thou shall be established in righteousness and thou shall be far from oppression. 
He was waiting for people who will have an identity. So Jesus came at that time. So if a Jew should say, you were owing the father 10 million, and then you went to my, you met the son, and the son said to you that, you know what? Don't worry about that money. The father might not like what the son has said, but the father can never. The son speaking is equal to the father, the depth. Can that be the reason why when Jesus resurrected, he breathed on them? In John 20, verse 23, he said, Receive the Holy Ghost. Or 21 and 23, and said, As the Father has sent me, so am I. Said. Then he said something. He said, Anybody saying you forgive is forgiven. Ah. We, we are going to stop here today. If somebody goes out as a Christian and you see somebody in problem and you know that maybe he has done something and you're like, You are forgiven, people will hate you. They will say, Are you, are you God that you are forgiven? But that's exactly what Jesus said. He told disciples after resurrection that anybody sin. What was he trying to do? Because before that time, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, he told the man that thy sins are forgiven and the Pharisees got angry. Now, Jesus did stop there. Now, he told disciples that anybody, everybody here under the sound of my voice, and I went, you can forgive a city. You can forgive people. It is true. Jesus said, when we go and preach and they reject us, dust your shoe. We determine where God will judge and where God will not judge. Many of you don't know. God was trying to elevate Abraham into this relationship. Abraham started asking God that if you go to Sodom and Gomorrah, Matthew, uh, Genesis 18, and you find so-so number, but will you? God said no. Remember that God never chose any number. He kept listening to what Abraham was saying. He said, what about 30? If I find 30, no problem. I won't destroy the city. What about 20? I won't destroy the city. Abraham got to 10. God knew what Abraham wanted to say. That what he wanted to say was to rescue and have a cousin there. Even though they didn't get to that point, God still rescued his cousin. God is wonderful. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. But this ability that Abraham had to negotiate the destiny of a city with God, every Christian has that ability. A Christian can call down judgment on a city and we should not do that. And a Christian can actually call for forgiveness of a city. Now you understand why Nigeria has not gone into chaos. They abuse churches, but the presence of the church. The Bible says that when the Antichrist shall come, he that let it shall let until when it goes. The Antichrist will sweep on the body when the church raptures. It is a reason. The reason why is because of the presence of God's people praying day and night. Otherwise. Otherwise. So when people tell you next time, what is the impact of prayer in Nigeria? Tell them it's a stupid thing to say. Many nations have no experience. Right before your eyes, MK was killed in Yoruba. People threatened, but no war broke out. Things have happened back and forth in the country that in other countries has ended their nation. It has happened repeatedly. Under civil war, people in tribes, I mean, people have killed a tribe, killed people in that tribe, and back and forth. We, have, we have always have people coming back together. And it has been like that, like that, like that, over and over again. And the nation has been kept in peace. And some cannot see the impact of prayer. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Is somebody with me? A new creation. This is what I... (laughs) So because I want to stop here. The the journey is far. But did we get something so far? Hallelujah. The whole essence is an awakening. I just want to structure your way of thinking. So start thinking like a champion. The Father himself dwells in presence is here. Without presence, there is protection. Without presence, there is 
Protection, blessing, prosperity are not even the most important part of the present. The most important part is that every Christian can now fellowship with God. And we're going to that. That is deep. Hallelujah. Fellowship. Oh, hallelujah. That which Adam couldn't hold when he came down the garden. He said, Adam, where are thou? He says, sin. I can't fellowship with you. I can't fellowship with you. But every Christian can fellowship. Lift up your hand on your seat. I want to teach you something. Lift up your two hands. Say, Father, thank you for making my life beautiful. Thank you for making me the righteousness of God. Thank you for the workings of the Spirit in my life. Now, pray in tongues, worshiping. Continue to say words like that of adoration of thanks and pray. Many of you will feel the presence of God immediately. You will perceive it praying like that. Lift up your two. Just worship on your seat. Just give him praise. Say, I thank you. Say from your heart. Mean it. Thank you for what you've done. That is, I'm teaching you how to receive and make it a reality. What he has done. It's done. It's received by faith. We give you praise. We worship you. Blessed be your name. Give him praise. Oh, Father, we love you. We worship you. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Father, in Jesus' name. Shall we rise? When the service ends, we are under time. I, I want, when you get home, continue how we have stopped now. Sit on the edge, sit somewhere in your house, on a chair, on your bed, lift up your two hands, begin to thank him for some of the things I've shared today that I take. Thank him. Most people mention the Father, thank you for bringing me to fellowship. Thank you for your presence and pray and watch what we have done. This is like a capsule. I have just taught you also how to hear the voice of God. It's in that kind of atmosphere you hear the voice of God. The atmosphere I've just introduced you to now. That's why you hear direction. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's very easy to hear from God. Practice what I've just said. He will direct you. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the teaching. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Twin Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m. While our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.